As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, welcome back to Civilized Barking. It is late February, believe it or not, it is time to get this thing rolling. So uh, erase the Super Bowl hangover, Browns fans, erase your Houston hangover. I think, I hope you'd have time to have done that. I've had time to catch up on some sleep, on some real life, on some middle school basketball, hallelujah. That's over. And uh, we are on to 2024 and beyond. So this is the end of the week of uh, February 20th. I don't know the date here. But uh, by the time you hear this, I'll either be packing for Indy or or in Indy. Next week is the NFL Combine. So at midweek next week, the last few days of February, um, Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry will formally uh, address the media out there. Um, Almost the whole... You know, every Browns decision maker will be there for at least part of the time, if not all of the time. So you probably know what the combine is, which is running and jumping and interviewing. And uh, importantly, most importantly, in most cases for the Browns, psychological tests, interviews, medical tests on all the prospects as they get ready uh, for the draft. Um, There will be formal media interviews uh, with the draftable prospects. And then, um, you know, Andrew Berry's peers are there. The agents are there. So this is really, um, you know, it's not a made-for-TV event as it is, but what you'll see on NFL Network and what will be distributed um, is not what goes on at the Combine. There are conversations that go on as teams set the course. So Monday, March 11th is when the player movement period begins. Um, If the Browns are going to be involved in trades, they can be made before that. They just can't be formalized until the new league year begins on March 13th. So free agent negotiations and agreements officially begin, legally begin on March 11th. Um, A lot of the discussions and even some agreements will take place. As we saw two years ago with the Amari Cooper trade, the Browns agreed to that on the Saturday before that Monday. Um, That will come by. Later in this podcast, I'm going to have on my friend and colleague in Chicago, Kevin Fishbane, who's covered the Bears for a long time. The Bears control this draft. Um, you know, I think the feeling is that they're going to move on from Justin Fields. They're going to select Caleb Williams, number one. They have two first-rounders, two in the top ten, <laughs> as a matter of fact. So we're going to talk to him about what he thinks they're going to do about Justin Fields, uh, 
who I think is the guy the Steelers have to get if they're serious about contending. Uh, Justin Fields, an Ohio State guy, as most of you know. You know, where is he in his career? How good can he make a team? Um, what, if anything, can the Bears take from six, seven years ago when the Browns were in the spot of controlling the draft and and trying to um, you know take that next step forward? So we're just going to talk draft and and some some uh, Chicago Cleveland ties in that regard. But uh, you know, for that, we'll, we'll run down some things. So on the site, guys, as you've probably seen. Um, we've been doing a lot of the getting ready for the player movement period, which is who's in danger of getting cut. And the Browns, because of the money that they've spent and the way they've maneuvered things, um, mostly with big time cash, but a lot of times with long-term planning and some mandatory moves in mind, um, they don't have a bunch of short-term problematic contracts. Obviously, Deshaun Watson's contract is problematic in the long term, and one of the big decisions they have to make is whether to reduce that and um, you know create more money for this year. But the one that stands out with the Browns is Nick Chubb. And then you add the fact that Nick Chubb is coming off two surgeries. The second time he's injured the same knee, he's headed for his age 28 season. And most of all, guys, uh, I, I know Nick Chubb, is a sensitive subject to a lot of people, but this contract was structured, so this was always going to be the decision time, even outside of the injuries. Whether Nick Chubb was or is, can still be the best running back in the league, or whether he had fallen off a little bit, or whether something else had happened, I don't know. I mean, he's so popular because he's the low-maintenance superstar, because he continues to produce. And if there's one guy I wouldn't bet against, in terms of coming back from this injury and continuing to just plow forward and do his job and help you win games, it would be Nick Chubb. But you have the injury, you have all of this stuff. Um, most of these NFL contracts are this way, guys. The guarantees are up front in the first couple of years. The big money is up front. And then the bonus is prorated for salary cap reasons. So you get to the end, you get to the last year, and you have a high cap number with not guaranteed money and a relatively cheap out, the proration of the bonus. This is how it works. And in that, that with Nick Chubb, which is almost $16 million to be on the team, only around $4 million to not be on the team, you know, that is the result of, of how you structure it, and that protects the player and the team. And that If they want to do an extension and the player is um, healthy and worthy of that money and the team wants him, then they have already have that big number locked in. Or if they're not, they can get out and they move along. And... So, again, there's just a lot of layers here. Um, when Andrew Barry came out and said, we're going to talk about that number with Nick Chubb, we're going to renegotiate that number, that was negotiating in itself. Andrew Barry says nothing, right? So that's number one for the Browns in addition to deciding you know, how much they're going to have, whether they push the Watson money forward or not. Um, we know that you know half of their defensive line rotation is eligible for free agency. We know that the receiving core – Needs a boost. They have several options there. I don't know which one they're going to choose, but it's urgent now because you're trying to win. Um, It's urgent now because your drafting at wide receiver has been awful. Two years ago, as mentioned before, they made the masterful trade to get Cooper. Uh, They redid his contract and pushed the money forward. So he's headed for the last year of his deal. $23 million is a hell of a cap number. You need Amari Cooper. You can afford it. You planned for it. Can you extend Amari Cooper and lower that number? ahead of his age 30 season, his 10th season in the NFL. I don't know. I don't expect him to, but we'll see. I think the Browns could be involved with a trade or moving some money around and going after 
a uh, potential starting wide receiver. I think the Browns could be involved with just adding a savvy vet and then using the draft to add a guy who plays a little bit this year and then hopefully develops into a big-time receiver. Um, we'll see what happens with Cedric Tillman. I'm, I'm not super optimistic. You know, Elijah Moore is not a terrible player, but he was not worthy of the resources they gave last year to give him. He did not click with Deshaun Watson at all. Could that change? Yes. Does Elijah Moore bring some explosion? Yes. We saw what the chemistry and the effectiveness um, – in games with Watson and more was, and it was very little. So receiver has to be uh, on any list. Even if Nick Chubb's coming back at a reduced number and can't come back till October, the Browns need to address running back and we'll see what happens. So you go to the combine, you look at all these things. Um, to me at the top of any list, the teams that are in trouble with the cap and it's not the Browns, the Browns have cap concerns going forward and, and they're going to have to make some decisions um, going forward and in, in currently on a lot of their free agents, but they, they feel good about where they are in the cap. Um, there are some teams that don't feel good about the cap. We're going to have to cut some veterans. Are the Browns going to be interested? Can the Browns replicate last year where later, um, not just the first three days or three hours of free agency, but in May, in August and later they found guys. Yes. Um, and then you, you you know you develop your plans for free agency for March if you need to make a trade, if you need to make a huge roster decision that involves a cut, a restructure, a trade, whatever that may be. Um, as these guys become available or as guys come off the board, that changes priorities. So you just be ready there. Um, I think the Browns have done a good job of that. I think the people in the continuity in the front office in having this plan, um, you know, now the, the second full offseason with Watson – um, knowing what the numbers are, knowing where you want to be and, and trying to keep this roster together. Um, you know, I think they'll do a good job of that. So it may not be on March 11th and 12th that the Browns add two or three good players and say, we're ready to contend in the AFC. It probably will be a defensive lineman or a wide receiver. Um, it will be some, uh, decisions on their own guys, who, who they prioritize and coming back, who else they have to wait on. And then I think it'll be down the road and kind of piecing this thing together. Um, of course, they want Shelby Harris back. He's going to be 33. You know, ideally, you'd have Zadarius Smith back. He's going to be 32. What else is out there? You know, do you realistically have any shot at the T. Higginses and Mike Evans of the world? Probably not. So maybe you're into the Darnell Moonies of the world. Maybe you're into a one-year deal for Tyler Boyd and then drafting a guy, right? Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But uh, as far as what Barry and Stefanski would talk about, I would imagine it'll be Nick Chubb. There'll be no answer there. Um, I'd imagine they'll be asked, can Dewan Jones play left tackle this year, next year, into the future? We'll see there. You know, the coaching staff is done. Uh, we've been over those moves. You're probably aware of them. They'll probably be asked about the play calling again. They won't answer that. Um, we'll see. You know, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, backup quarterback. Obviously, is Flacco coming back? Is Jacoby Brissett coming back? Do the Browns think they need to be even more aggressive than that, whether it's in the draft um, or in free agency, and be realistic that that they can't think that Deshaun Watson's going to complete a full season until he does? You know, probably not because of the money, but we'll see. So, um, some all layers of the roster they have areas to address. Um, certainly some tough decisions involving experience and leadership. 
um, with the Anthony Walkers, Sione Takitakis, Shelby Harris, you know, guys like that. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll, we will see how that goes. Uh, they did a really good job of that last year. The punter uh, is eligible for free agency. And, um, you know, you're in position to bring the whole offensive line back. We don't know where Conklin is health-wise. We do know he has guaranteed money. We're assuming that Wills and Dewan, um will be healthy off their knee surgeries from late in the year. We'll see how that goes. Um, you know, where in the draft can you address tackle? Or do you not, you know, can you not? Do you have other needs? We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But anyway, the, the combine kind of marks the uh, the re-entry of the NFL into the discussion. Uh, it, it marks the re-entry into on-the-record comments of what's going on. And then you start counting down, you know, what's going to happen. I mean, teams will come to the combine and announce – we have released this player. We're going to release this player. We've given this player permission to seek a trade. All, all that kind of sorts out over the week. You know, we usually leave on Friday or Saturday at the end of the week. And I remember um, leaving two years ago thinking the Browns were going to get Amari Cooper. He was number one on my list that year of the 20 or 25 potential targets. Um, that was a hit. Last year's list didn't hit. But, you know, last year it was obvious they needed defensive tackle first and foremost, and they were going to go wide receiver from there. This year, um, you know, we're assuming, I think, that wide receiver is number one. But, again, there's there's multiple routes they can go there. Um, you know, they could choose to move on from Zadarius Smith and and Shelby Harris and Jordan Elliott and, and spend big resources on a starting defensive lineman. We will see, you know, how that goes. And then, of course, you sort through the options there. Um, do they feel like all the good receivers are going to be off the board well before 54? Do they feel like that some of the receivers who are not finished products are going to drop? They'll find one they like, and they'll get him ready for the back half of the year and for 2025 and beyond and not have to move on Amari Cooper. You know, we'll see. We'll see how all of that goes. But, um, again, to, to have my friend Kevin Fishbane from Chicago on, um, it's to talk about, you know, what it's like when your team – is ahead of the draft. Let's talk about what it's like when your team has been chasing for a long time and now is ready to make that move. Um, what is the evaluation when you feel like you have your quarterback and and you know he's supposed to be good? Is he good enough? I think the Browns and Bears share that that feeling. So we'll just talk a little ball, a little draft there. Um, be back on the podcast trail next week. I'll be bringing all the stuff to Indy. I don't know who or what we'll run into. Um, maybe Jason Lloyd and I will talk stadium. And stuff at that point, you know, I don't have a lot to add on that front. I would just tell you guys, just like free agency in a way, um, you know, there is a negotiating process. There's a posturing process and there's a little bit of begging process and there's a process where the stuff that gets released is very one sided. Right. And it's all part of the negotiating and bargaining process and nothing on the stadium um, is going to happen in a week or a month and it's not going to be built in a year. Um, it is getting time to make some decisions, and we're very much, if you've been following it, in in the time where the bargaining and the posturing and the positioning begins. So um, we will see. We, we will get to all of that stuff. But we're entering 2024 for the Cleveland Browns, and they have to win right now. When you look at the age of the players, when you look at the contracts, when you look at what's been devoted and what they're probably prepared to do in terms of paying more cash up front, deferring more money, adding more players who are 27, 28, 31, 32 years old to this roster, they have to go for it. Um, are they close? Are they ready to contend in a loaded AFC? Is Deshaun ready to even partially pay off 
this contract or is it a complete disaster? All of those things are in play. We'll start to find out. So again, um, thanks for reading. Thanks for listening. Try to cover as many bases as possible uh, in the articles on this podcast. And um, let's go to Chicago, shift it up a little bit. And I will talk to you guys again um, individually about the Browns and probably with Jason and maybe with some other special guests next week. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, as promised, we go to Chicago to Kevin Fishbane, my longtime colleague. Uh, Kevin, I guess there's a lot of things I want to touch upon. And um, I got to some of the reasons that I wanted to have you on, but Let's get to the important stuff first. Have you unfollowed the Chicago Bears on Instagram? <laughs> I should. It is the offseason. I should be, you know, not following the Chicago Bears. But no, I still follow them. And uh, I I don't follow the Cleveland Browns, though. So make that make of that what you will. Well, I got, you know, sometimes their social media is good. Sometimes it's not so good. Um, like everything else, it's a little better uh, when, you, when you have a winning season. Uh, I, I've been where you are, right? Where you're covering a team that controls the draft, where you're covering a team that's constantly circling and you're wondering, you know, when when it's going to turn in to results. So um, that's why you're here. One of the reasons. Let's let's touch as many bases as we can. You know, four or five days before the combine officially begins, do you expect them to trade Justin Fields and use the number one pick on Kayla Williams or or another quarterback? I guess. Yeah, that's my expectation right now, Zach. I, you know, look, you would be in, you as you said, you've been in this chair before. It'd be great if we get there next week and the Bears just go ahead and say, "Hey, we've made our call. Uh, you know, the market is open for Justin Fields. Give us your best offer, and he's yours. And we're going to draft the quarterback." I, I'm guessing we won't get that proclamation, um, but I, I just think that when you have this opportunity to be to take whichever quarterback you want um as opposed to you know locking in a 25 million dollar fifth year option for a guy who you know statistically has been in the bottom third of the NFL uh I think you got to take the chance and, and draft somebody who could be a difference maker for you right now it's fair to say that last year's deal um that involved Carolina and DJ Moore and all of that um the combine was kind of a launching point for that or maybe even a closing point correct yeah, I mean the 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 conversations kind of with the Panthers and the other teams began really in earnest at the combine. I'm sure there were some whispers at Senior Bowl and over the phone prior to that, but that's really where things got going. Right now, do you think you know? I talked about this before. Do you think the Bears went or are going full out with this? As in, they're going to the likes of the Steelers and the Falcons and saying, um, "We're we're probably keeping Justin unless you knock our socks off." Then they're going to the other teams and saying. You know, we're going to make the trade so so up the ante a lot, or do you think that they've made up their mind and they'll just eventually find um, one suitor uh, for Justin Fields? Yeah, that's a great question, Zach. I, I you know, I wonder if you know, they do have the leverage, right? But mm-hmm. I don't know 
like if you're another team, don't you kind of roll your eyes if the Bears come to you and say, yeah, we might keep Justin Fields and Caleb Williams or whoever. Don't you kind of like, okay, sure. Um, you know, I, I think the, the best thing that, they, that can happen for them is to get multiple teams that want him and then just have them bid yeah. against each other. Uh, you know, I've seen stuff about like a, you know, a first round pick or conditional first. I don't, I don't, I'm not on that camp. I I think that's, that'd be really tough. Um, you know, but yeah, I, I think that there's going to be, I think it'd be tough to convince teams that you're still trying to sort through it. I mean, at some point you just got to make your decision and you could argue that by not making a call on committing to him, that was their call. Sure. No, there, there's no doubt about that. I just look to sit here and talk about it and to read it on your computer screen, Kevin, I, I think a first rounder seems rich also, but like we can't really think that a team would rather have Bo Nix or Michael Penix than Justin Fields. First of all, they're all the same age. Right. That's a good point. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. like if it's Jaden Daniels or Caleb Williams, I get it, especially because of the four to five years of control you get at a manageable number, but like, a top 40 pick for Justin Fields seems reasonable to me. You, you you know him as a pro player a lot better than I do. But that seems reasonable to me. And, you know, obviously you can even things out on the back end. But that, that doesn't seem crazy to me at all. No, you're right. And I think, you know, Sam, the Sam Darnold trade is an interesting one because in some ways that could be the bar. I think that was uh, a, like a second and a fourth and then a future pick. And, and I think the Panthers obviously ultimately regretted that move. Um, he was a boss and they gave up too much. So the question is, if the Bears use that as their starting point, are, do teams say to them, well, we don't want to be the Panthers? Or are they like, yeah, we get it. That makes sense. Fields is better than Darnold. It's a different era, um, you know, with the way he plays. We'll do that. And you make a good, good point about, about Knicks and Penix. And there's also, you know, the having three years of tape on Fields goes both ways, right? There's, sure. On the one hand... A team can say, hey, we know a lot that there is to know about him. We feel safe, safer with him than we do with one of these rookies. Or that could go the other way. Like, we've seen this guy. We've seen the interceptions in the fourth quarter. We've seen all the fumbles. We've seen the accuracy issues. We've seen enough that we don't want to give up that much for him. Uh, but, you know, some of these teams that, you know, you talk about Pittsburgh, you talk about Atlanta. Those are teams that are built for a Justin Fields. When you think about the skill players sure. they have, the coaches they have, you can see why it makes sense. The timing of this is also very interesting, Zach, too, because you've got the Kirk Cousins thing. You've got Baker Mayfield. Where is he going to go? Um, I'm trying to think, are there other veteran, you know, big-name veteran quarterbacks who could be on the move? I think those, those are the two main guys. So are you seeing what those guys are going to do? Those guys are going to cost more, probably. I mean, Baker Mayfield is going to cost more financially, Kirk Cousins, you know. But with Fields, you have a bargain. You know, even if you lock in that fifth-year option, that's still kind of a good deal for a, 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 an average-ish starting quarterback. So, yeah, the timing of this is all interesting. This is all going that this could go down before free agency, could go down before the draft. It could also go down on draft night too. Like I, I, I like to think though that the Bears, if they've made the call that they're going to draft somebody. I feel like to just to make it easier for Justin Fields, they're going to want to get this done sooner than later. Yeah, you would think not not just for the. I mean, obviously, you like to do right by the player, but for everybody, right? Like you would want to do that. I, I think anyway. Um, Kevin, in terms of Justin Fields coming back to Ohio, I think it's for homecoming in Columbus and not in Canton. 
but I think he can be a quarterback on a team that plays in the playoffs over the next three or four years. So, am I right in that evaluation? Yeah, no, I think you are. It's, you know, I always, I always hate comparing it to Mr. Trubisky, but you know what? I'm going to compare it to Mr. Trubisky. The <laughs> Justin Fields' highs are much higher than Mitch's. The problem is her lows are lower. It's mm-hmm. a roller coaster ride. And you saw it in Cleveland, right? Like you saw the touchdown to Cole Komet is a play that four quarterbacks in the league could make, maybe. Yeah. And then you see in the fourth quarter when you know they're passing the ball, you can't you can't block Miles Garrett. He doesn't like to get Fields just doesn't get rid of the ball quickly enough you know, you see what happens. So yeah. if you're ready to ride that roller coaster, you, he can take you to, he, he, I don't know if he can take you to the promised land, but he can certainly be a guy who plays in the playoffs for you. So you can compare, but not really, um, you know, back in 17, when the Browns make three first rounders, starting with miles and they choose miles and Jabril preppers really over the quarterbacks. Um, that was they were approaching rock bottom, and then the next year they didn't win a single game. They were at rock bottom, um, and that's when it started to change. That's when they took Baker and Denzel and Nick Chubb in the second round and added Jarvis Landry and started. The Bears are way ahead of that, um, and I know they weren't like a championship contender, but the Bears team that came to Cleveland just before Christmas, which isn't that long ago, was a decent football team, a competitive football team to me, right? So. You know, where where are the Bears to you? And can a rookie quarterback get them in the playoffs next year? Yeah, and it's a great point about Cleveland, too, because, yeah, the Bears do have a much better foundation. I mean, this, like when they were on that run, right around, you know, which really ended, I guess, in the fourth quarter of that Cleveland game, um, and they did win two more at home, but they – it had reminded me in some ways of 2018 when they won the division, just that little stretch in terms of the confidence um, and belief and also just the number of blue chip players they have now. Like you, They have Montez Sweat. They have DJ Moore. If they keep Jalen Johnson, I'd put him in that category as well. Right. Um, you look at what their linebackers did. They have all this cap space. They, you know, We never talk about the fact they have the number nine pick in the draft. Yeah, no, you know, you're right. You're right. Like, no one talks never about, talk that. about that. The fact they have a number like we, we, like Zach, I would be doing mock draft after mock draft, breaking out all the guys available at number nine, but we're so understandably focused on fields and number one. Mm-hmm. So they have an opportunity to, to grow this even more. So, yeah, I mean, you stick a rookie quarterback in this, this has the potential of being a playoff team. And certainly the CJ Stroud thing is, you know, I think going to it, it's, it's funny too, because you could look at Bryce Young and see the pitfalls of taking a rookie quarterback. And then you look at CJ Stroud and be like, oh, if you get the right guy, you have the right coaching, you got the right team. Sure. Like you you can make you could turn this thing around pretty quickly. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. Um and, and the sweat trade to me was kind of a jumping off point. Um and you know there are a lot, even though the Browns and Bears only play once every four years, there are a lot of deep, deep Cleveland Chicago ties, right? Um Miles went before Mitch and Mitch was from Cleveland and all of that. Um, the Bears kind of took some crap for trading and signing for Montez Sweat, but they were saying we're willing to do this. Like we have this resources and we see this as the guy, like one of our five or six foundational pieces as we go forward. So they were, that was the thought process in that trade, correct? 
Yeah, yeah, they looked at a premium position. We don't have a guy here yet. The draft is not strong there necessarily. There are a couple guys they could consider at number nine. Uh, you look at free agency, there are a few, uh, but you're going to have to pay big. So why don't you pay big You know, now for a guy that you know that you can get as opposed to trying to win a bidding war or hope that he falls to the draft? Just go get him. And, and fortunately, it worked out. And you know, now they just got to hope it continues to work out. Right. Um, Darnell Mooney. He's a guy that I thought had a chance to be a good player. For one year, he was a good player, right? Now he's headed to free agency. We know the Bears have plenty of money to spend and keep almost whoever they want. Uh, we don't know the plan. But it seems like the way it's gone for him, because it's been two years since he had a big year, that he's going to come free. Um, his position, his athletic profile, and the way he has made plays down the field, to me, make him a candidate for the Cleveland Browns. So what would you tell me and the listening audience here in Cleveland about Darnell Mooney, where he is and where he might be in a year or two? Yeah, man, Darnell Mooney was – that was a confounding situation last year. Obviously, coming off the injury in 2022, he just wasn't himself as quickly as he probably wanted to be. And I think Justin Fields, I don't know if he trusted DJ more and more, which is, you know, because he and Mooney are very close. There mm-hmm. just something was off. Something just wasn't working. And Mooney was frustrated. You could tell it just wasn't the right fit. And, the you know, the important thing for other teams to figure out is how much of that was Mooney, how much of that was the Bears offense. Because Justin Fields' passer rating, throwing a Cole Kman, DJ Moore, was – really really good anybody else it was pretty bad so was that just a quarterback thing was that an offense thing that Mooney wasn't put in the right spot was Mooney not what he used to be those are all things but I'll tell you this you know and and you could scoff at this if the guy's not good enough but Mooney's everything you want from a player in your building work ethic leadership like he will never get in trouble he will always do the right thing he will always put in the extra effort. He will always be the, like, he's he's a first one in, last one out kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the first player that Ryan Poles mentioned by name as, like, of a guy I'm thrilled about working with when he got the GM job. Like, that's how highly they thought of him. Um, and everything was looking good until the injury at the end of 22. So I, there is potential there. Uh, he, you know, he proved a lot of doubters wrong. That he, People thought he was too slight coming out of college. and. And he proved to be really productive. So it's a lot about how you use him. Um, I just think he was never really the take the top off a defense guy. Like he's got the potential to do that. But like again, was that the Bears offense? Was that him? Um, but there are ways that you could get him going and, and really feel good about him in the offense. The other thing about him too, Zach, is he's versatile. Like you go back and look at some of his best games and you go check out that next gen chart. He's all over the field. He's in the slot. He's outside. Like you can do a lot of things with him. He can run every route in the route tree. Um, so he's not a one trick pony, which again, when they came out, they're like, oh, he'll just be a speed guy for us. He does more than that. Um, but teams have got to figure out what happened last year. And unfortunately, I don't really know. I think it was probably a combination of things, but it was sure. one of the stranger developments of last season that we asked about all the time and never really got a great answer. Yeah. I'll just tell you from my perspective, Kevin, going back to even before the Browns got super hot in December, it was like, receivers where they're going to go in the next year. So you just start looking at names of who might get free. And obviously you never know, right? We're two weeks away and we still don't know who's actually going to get free. 
Um, and I thought, man, Mooney is a kind of guy that they have have taken a chance on or or might see a fit here. Um, so I circled that. And then our list comes out the other day and a former GM on our site, Randy Mueller has him as a top 10 free agent. And I'm like, <laughs> about fell off the couch. Yeah. And, and look, I get what Randy's saying. Mooney's young and, you know, like he's not going to cost you a ton. Uh, and he's been really productive. And the, not only was he really productive, Zach, he was really productive on a horrific passing offense with where he played with multiple quarterbacks. Right. So, again, there's a lot to like from his 2021 tape. There's a lot to like from what he did in 2000 when he kind of, you know, first made a name for himself. Um, he was somebody that, you know, we were at training camp when he was a rookie, and we're like, oh, this guy is not just going to, like, maybe make the team. He's going to start. Uh, and he took off, I think it was like week two of his rookie year. So uh, there's a lot to like when you watch his tape. Again, you just got to figure out what's how how is that physical going to look? Um, you know, what's his speed at? You know, where's his head at? And how do you try to like use him properly? Because obviously last year didn't work. But I'm telling you, like, like you're it, 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 like who, whichever team gets him is going to love having him in the building. Reporters are going to love talking to him. It, it's just figuring out why that production wasn't there last season. Yeah. And the Browns decided that mattered last year, uh, you know, in terms of getting guys. So that's interesting to know. Um, you know, we're still two weeks away, two plus weeks, but my list of guys, I, I got to figure Darnell Mooney's going to be near the top of my Browns list. That's for sure. Um, you know, I don't think a lot of people know or care, quite frankly, that uh, Eberflus is from here in Ohio, that his first NFL job or maybe his second NFL job was with the Browns. Um, he he and Stefanski have a couple things in common, and one of them is they are just want to be away from the spotlight. Um, would you have guessed when you were in Cleveland before Christmas that he was going to keep his job? Well, <laughs> what quarter of the game? <laughs> you know, and yeah, we've been there. We see and see these Cleveland Chicago links. We we've been there. We've, yeah, we, we've the, had that. Yeah, in the third quarter, I'm thinking, wow, like the Bears might find a way to the playoffs. In the fourth quarter, I'm I'm you know penciling in Kevin Stefanski for coach of the year and starting to spruce up our list of potential coaching candidates for the <laughs> Bears. Because that thing collapsed, and that was Eberflus's problem. Like they had three monumental collapses last season, and when that happens, that's a lot on the head coach. Like yeah. you can't let those things devolve the way the the, the Bears did uh, three separate times last season. But you know, it, it's funny too, Zach, because the Harbaugh thing, you had Pete Carroll, Belichick, like right. The 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 thing the Bears fans were wondering, and those of us who come a team was. Is Kevin Warren, team president, uh, villain in the state of Ohio, I believe, <laughs> um, from his Big Ten commissioner days and other Big Ten states, um, was Kevin Warren going to come in here and say, hey, I'm in charge. This is a new era. This is we cannot call this good enough. Seven and ten is not good enough. Three collapses is not good enough. Like this has to change. That's what we all kind of wondered. Is that going to be the wild card? And because we didn't hear anything for a few days after the season started, ended, we're like, well, maybe they are. This is going to happen. But no, I think that they were impressed enough with what happened in everything but those fourth quarters and how he kind of managed the team when things weren't going well and the defense taking off. So in the end, I wasn't surprised. 
when we were in Cleveland, I certainly, for the most part, thought like, yeah, he's safe. And then by the fourth quarter, I'm like, oh boy, uh, here we go. So mm-hmm. you know, but this is the the Bears. Even with the new president, they're just they're, they're never they've never been the big swing team necessarily when it comes to coaches. I mean, I don't know how many people in Chicago had heard the name Matt Eberflus before he was hired as their head coach. So yeah, I mean, just knowing the Bears as I do, it wasn't surprising. Um, but you know, this is a big year for him because as we talked about earlier, they're going to have the foundation. They're going to have an opportunity quarterback to to really make make moves here. And if you're the Bears, you cannot let yourself fall into that same cycle where you draft a quarterback and then you fire the head coach and then you bring in a new head coach who didn't draft the quarterback and on and on we go, which I know Cleveland people know that cycle very well as, as well. Sure, sure. And it's like, you know, you would love to have continuity, right? Um, and when you win, it's it's easy to have. But it kind of feels like to me, it's not just Eberflus, like either the uh, the this Polls administration almost said pace. That's the last one. Either the polls administration nails this year, right? Or or they're out too. Yeah. I mean, this is this quarterback, this number one choice, you know, it, it's polls. I mean, it, like, you know, he it, it's it's interesting because you know, how many swings do you get at quarterback? And how many swings do you get at head coach? A lot of GMs get to have two head coaches and two quarterbacks if you're a good GM. And Ryan Poles made some pretty good moves. You look at the trade of the number one pick last year, you get Darnell Wright, you get DJ Moore. You look at what Montez Sweat has done. Um, you look at some of the draft picks and what they've done. You can feel pretty good about, you know, things like that. Um, but, like, you got to win. And uh, if, if they screw this number one pick up badly, yeah, you can talk about this whole thing starting over. Uh, but I do think too, you could see him getting another head coach and uh, you know opportunity there. And Zach, the other thing, let, let's say it's Caleb, right? There's the idea is if you get a quarterback that's good enough, he should be good enough no matter who his coach is, right? Sure. So you could maybe determine at the end of the season if things don't go well. Well, we have our quarterback, and we're just going to find a different coach, and he'll be fine. Yeah, and 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 that's yeah. the ideal world. And when you're picking at one, that's what you want. Um, the reality is, his quarterback coach has to be good. His left tackle has to be good. His number one and number three receivers have to be good, right? Like you're even the most talented guy. You got to boost up, specifically young in his career. So um, we've seen that here too a long time ago. Um, all right, last thing: a couple of guys uh, locally here uh, who come through the draft circles and end with the Bears. How are Dominique Robinson and, and Tyler Scott doing out there? Uh, Dominique Robinson is going to enter next season very much on the roster bubble, um, which is unfortunate because when they drafted him out of Miami of Ohio, he was the guy that you talked to scouts. He was like, oh, that's kind of the steal. That's kind of the guy we're really intrigued about because he's got ridiculous athleticism, a lot of potential, um, great work ethic, all those things. But it was still a new position for him, defensive end. And in his first game of his career, he had one and a half sacks, and then I don't think he touched the quarterback again for the season. Yeah. And then last year, he was a healthy scratch for a good stretch before Yannick Ngakwe went on IR, and then he got another chance. So, yeah, I would expect the Bears to make an investment at defensive end, and when they do, Dom will be number four or number five on the depth chart, maybe even number six. So he's going to have to have a really, really good offseason to make this team at best be a number four. 
Um, he does special team stuff for them, so maybe that could be his niche. But um, that it's been it's been a little disappointing based on the kind of the excitement about his potential coming out of the draft. And then Tyler Scott, you know, that's another guy where Zach, you know how at the combine there's that I don't want to name the website. I don't, but like, there's those guys who just go around to head coaches and ask them about one very specific skill player. Yes, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Yes, my my bet is I'll put it at I'll I'll put it at minus one ten <laughs> that those guys are going to ask Matt Eberfuss about Tyler Scott. Okay, like he's going to be the. So what are we expecting from Tyler Scott this year? Can he carve out a bigger role for himself? You know, it was I think Tyler Scott showed you know, a lot of promise in the preseason. I think there's a lot of excitement about him. He's got the speed. He's young. Um, but when he got the opportunity after Chase Claypool got traded, he didn't do much. And, you know, everyone's going to point to he didn't come through with the big catch against Detroit late in that game that would have put that game away. Um, that's just one play. Um, but I'm still hopeful for him. I, I think there's something to like there. Um, and, you know, again, I think they need to add a starting receiver, certainly to replace Darnell Mooney if they don't resign him. Um, it could be with the number nine pick. Uh, there's a couple other, right. you know, you can know, go T. Higgins, Mike Evans, a lot of some options of free agency. I, I think Tyler Scott, I, I'm I'm interested to see what he does this year. I, I, I'm still hopeful for him to be a, a, a part of this rotation and, and find a way to be productive this season. Well, I don't want to be biased to two Northeast Ohio public school guys, but I am. Um, they're both still new at their positions. Right. Like, yes, yes. Tyler Scott was a high school running back and Dominique was a high school quarterback. So maybe there's still some upside there, you know, and, and that's probably why they were drafted where they were, which was on the third day. I mean, I think and everybody gets them wrong, but there was a lot of projections. I think some that got all the way to Tyler Scott that said he was going to go on Friday evening and he went on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, no, he was, I mean, yeah, he was kind of the quote-unquote steal for them when you looked at where he could have gone and, and where he went and the things he did in college. And yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely hopeful on, on what he can what he can bring to this team. All right, well, uh, I'm headed to Indy. You're headed to Indy. You just drive from Chicago, right? Yep, easy three, three and a half hours through beautiful okay. Indiana. Yeah, yeah, I've never, actually, I have gone that way one time, but uh I was on a bus and I was sleeping and that's a long story that we'll get into on another podcast. So look forward to seeing anybody. Uh, thank you for the insights. And of course, that's the one, you know, we're, we're in a way, Kevin, you're just trying to create a little sizzle when the team you cover doesn't pick until 54. But, um, you know, I think there are some, some real ties here. And I think everybody's curious, like it, it because you're right. It's not just the number one pick and it's not just the thought that Justin Fields might come to the AFC. It's the number nine pick too. And it's the Bears having a chance here to take themselves from way out of contention to, I think, right in the mix. Like, if Green Bay should have been in the NFC Championship game, right? Like, yep. they weren't in the playoffs when the Browns and Bears played in December. So, yep. it can be you. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. And, and look, you know, I the Bears and Browns are uh, two peas in a pod right now. And it's certainly if the Bears take Caleb Williams, I think you could look at, you know, okay, here are these franchises, have their quarterbacks, now what? Um, right. You know, the Bears were hoping they had that with Justin Fields. Maybe they still believe in that. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it, the, the the similarities between the two franchises, I, I, I imagine probably because the Bears have that one Lombardi trophy that they continue to talk about all the time, 
in this town from <laughs> almost 40 years ago now. They do understandably believe I've been. I was going to say you were in diapers right? then, right? I wasn't even alive for that one. <laughs> okay. um, and they did make the Super Bowl in 06 and had a lot of success under Lovey. Yeah. But if you look at the last like 12 years, they're a lot closer to the Browns than they are the Packers. And um, so, yeah, these, I was like, these two franchises have a lot more in common than Bears fans would like to admit. Sure. Sure. All right, guys. Uh, we thank Kevin. We thank you for listening. Um, I will. I will bring the podcast stuff to Indy. We will have Brown Stadium stuff to talk about. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'm not sure we'll have Nick Chubb stuff to talk about um, or other guys, but we'll find out. We'll find out. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, wanted to get this out as a little pre-combine appetizer as we start to get back into work mode. And it's here because uh, our, our combine meetings start on Monday and then two Mondays from then um, is the start of the player movement period. So the vacation is over and the quest, the race to New Orleans is on. This has been Civilized Barking. We'll talk to you soon.